Hi, this is Ryan from Brancho, and you're listening to Extended Play. Oh, that was very nice. That was very NPR. On the edge, the cat. <laughs> And welcome to Extended Play. My name's Matt Parker. I'm a music journalist based in Manchester in the UK. And this is my podcast. Welcome. Okay, so first off, I'd like to start with an apology. I've been away for a month because I had a baby. Yay! And I've not slept. So uh, the podcast got put on the back burner for a bit. So I missed a couple of episodes probably could have kept people better updated on that but such is the life of a part-time podcast producer it's a bit of a tongue twister um i'm keeping busy though currently working on some features got uh interviews with slaves and riley walker coming up for total guitar just got one uh with the gift that's uh, a london prog band going in prog magazine and yeah lots of other stuff in the pipeline so Uh, Keep an eye on Twitter and so on if you fancy reading any of those. I generally post links to things when they come round or when the issues are out. Otherwise, I just want to let you know that you can go to extendedplaypodcast.com for all of your links to social networks, to subscribe on iTunes and all of that sort of thing. You can also drop me a line if you ever want to get in touch on matt at extendedplaypodcast.com. Really welcome any feedback about the show, anything you want to discuss about any of the interviews or any suggestions you have for future interviews really keen to hear from you so get in touch on that okay my guests today are broncho or ryan Lindsay, the front man of broncho more specifically um they're a band originally from norman um in oklahoma in america and they now ryan in particular is now based in oklahoma city i first saw them at the brudenell in leeds which is an excellent small venue in the north of england um, as part of live at leeds festival back in 2015 and they look really kind of scrappy, in need of a shower and a nap, and were by some margin the best band of the day. Um, so I'm really pleased to have Ryan on the show. I've recorded this at the Soup Kitchen in Manchester, another excellent small venue, in early October, which is about two weeks before my child arrived. Um, so yeah, it was kind of off the cuff, this one perhaps a little bit more of a ramble than my usual shows but uh, I think the format suited the band in this case as well because they're kind of loose um, in their approach to running a rock band and uh, I suspect snacks and duvets and a lot of weed play an essential role in most of their writing and live work. Um, They've previously had some big sort of sync hits uh, with It's On and Class Historian, two tracks of theirs, um, which are featured on the likes of Girls and a whole bunch of other things. Their most recent album is called Double Vanity, which came out earlier this year. It's a bit darker and slower than their previous stuff, Um, but it's kind of dark and catchy and has these big chugging fuzz guitar riffs. And that's basically my sweet spot, if you know my taste. So here's a taster of one of the new tracks. This is a song called Soak Up the Sun. Thank you. 
Okay, so as I mentioned, that was Soak Up The Sun by Broncho. That's off the new album, Double Vanity. Um, this interview is with frontman Ryan Lindsay, who's kind of a satisfyingly close fit to the character that he inhabits on stage. Um, and that's not something you can say of every rock band out there. Um, I'd also like to shout out the rest of the band, though, who are Nathan Price, Ben King and Penny Pitchlin, because they all seem like equally interesting and righteous individuals. And I just didn't really get a chance to talk to them uh, for this. Um, before we start, I just want to make two unnecessary fact corrections um, or sort of fill in some gaps from the podcast. One, we talk about the song Don't Worry, Be Happy. You couldn't remember who did it. It's Bobby McFerrin, which I did know. Um, and two, Boys to Men did release I'll Make Love to You. So just in case there's any doubt, I was right. Okay, so without further ado, this is EP23 with Ryan from Broncho. So, it's Saturday night. It's half past seven-ish. 25 past seven. We're in the uh-huh. soup kitchen uh-huh. with Ryan from Broncho. Welcome, Ryan, to Extended Play. Thanks for having me. This is a great place. It is a great venue, the soup kitchen. Yeah. And also the site of the very first one of these I did with a singer-songwriter called Riley Walker. I don't know if you know him. He's like a folky uh-uh. type mad acoustic guitarist guy. Very That's cool. Good. Yeah. I think you guys would get on. It's Where, similar. Where's you from? Lust for lust certain for? brand of life. <laughs> oh, li- oh, yeah. Lust. Um, if he's lustful, then yeah, we'll get along. <laughs> he's, from, uh, he's from Chicago, I think. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so fond memories in the basement with the people walking <laughs> above us. That's fine, yeah. Dropping cigarettes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to come through those cracks. Probably not. They're glassed over. Um, oh, there comes a couple people. A lot of people. Feels like a metaphor. No. Yeah, that's the way the traffic works, you know? Nothing and then everything. <laughs> um, so, so many uh, people that I speak to, when I ask them what the first uh, record was that they've got, it usually winds up being something that their parents had or the first record that they liked the first music they liked Mm -hmm. so i thought i'd cut that out and just ask you what your parents listened to when you were a kid what was the stuff that you had around the house my parents listened to the beach boys and um simon and garfunkel yeah james taylor like kind of uh that that whole world real poppy a lot of melodies right the Beatles, um, all pretty like clean, clean stuff yeah. for the most part. Nothing was really like. My brothers were there to show me like the filth. <laughs> and what was um, what was your like parents' heyday? What, what was their youthful decade or whatever you you want to call it? They were kids of uh, the sixties, right. So did they get the 60s or did it pass them by? Um, I think they got the 60s, yeah. (laughs) Cool. And um, you mentioned the Beach Boys there and I have to hook onto that every time I hear it because I love the Beach Boys. Beach Boys, yeah. What what albums uh, in particular? Um, At least for you, if not your parents. I can't remember specifically the like um yeah it's hard to say with 
which record was my favorite. But my most vivid vivid memory of like of hanging out with the Beach Boys was this cassette. It was a cassette single that I checked out of the library that had um, "Don't Worry, Be Happy" on one side, right? By um, I don't uh, know who did that. Or did. It's um, I don't know why I forgot. <laughs> My mind's crazy right now. The other side was Kokomo by the Beach Boys. You All right, Kokomo. Latter was period like a, Beach yeah, Boys. That was like I, I was, had no involvement of Brian Wilson whatsoever on that one. I think. Yeah, it yeah. didn't, but it's still a great song. Yeah, I love Kokomo. <laughs> um, Sloop John B was really fun. Yeah. Um, I, I I loved them all. There wasn't really a Beach Boys song that I heard that I didn't like growing up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of, um, you know, like, have you ever listened to Smiley Smile? That one that I think... Smile? They did... Not Smile, but they Smiley Smile, which is the one that kind of came out instead and was a big disappointment to a lot of people at the time. But, because you know, he obviously had... Where he lost his mind and he didn't manage to get Smile out. Yeah. They kind of wound up putting this record out that had good vibrations on it and some other bits... Called yeah. Smiley Smile that's really weird and kind of half put together, but there's some really amazing songs on it. Um, what year was was that? I don't know. I think it was early 70s, probably. Okay. I think it, it kind of hung around for a bit and then they kind of pieced this thing together from the wreckage that was the Smile Sessions. So, you know, and loads of those tracks kind of found their way onto stuff over yeah. the years. Um, but yeah. Cool. So what was... Uh, what was your like entry drug record? What was the first time like music felt like yours or made you feel cool or like interesting as a result of like liking a band, something that became your own? Um, I don't know. I the first the first CD we ever got at my house was Boys to Men. Nice, yeah. Kool Aid Harmony. And that was like, that was just a lot of fun because we had a CD player, you know, like my brothers saved up their money and got the CD player. Right. And we went and got that CD. And um, it was just kind of like little kid party time, you know, too much sugar, boys to men. Right. A lot of indoor basketball. Uh, that was magical to me as a kid. Right. I never did Boys to Men, so this is <laughs> like you can hold my hand on Boys to Men back catalog. Yeah, Boys to Men. Um, I don't know where I grew up in Oklahoma. It was uh, a lot of top forty. Yeah, you're was, getting from the radio. Was that I'll Make Love to You? Is that Boys to Men, or is that someone else? Yeah, no, that's that's um. Uh, I, I, I know who it is. I <laughs> can is. picture them. They also did. Uh, God, I, I just totally blanked. I'm a, I'm totally blanked today. Blanking. Okay. I'm blanking. Well, you know, we but can, I can, I can keep going. I can, I can blank through just like, like a, a whole, a whole week, a lifetime of yeah. music. <laughs> I've been blanking for a few years now. <laughs> um. 
Where you you mentioned your older brothers and they kind of I know they they introduced grunge to you. Yeah. What other stuff did your older brothers introduce you to? Their friends. Their friends. Yeah. Yeah, they had really good friends. Um. They let me hang around a lot, so it was fun. They uh made me feel accepted. Yeah. And that's uh bigger than it seems, you know. Like just being able to hang out with the older dudes. Hmm. Uh, what was the age gap there? I was, I was like three, we're all like two years apart, Mm -hmm. but they were a little bit more than two. They were like on the, seems a lot more on the other side of two because they were three grades above me. Like my middle brother was three grades above me and then other brother was two above him. Right. So... Um, I, yeah, but they, they, uh, they all entertained me. I I just (laughs) could like hang out with them and watch them. And, um, it was fun. I felt like the court jester, you know? What would you think you learned from, from that time or from them? Um, What to do with the little, what you can, how you can have fun with nothing. Yeah. Like how? Um, well, we had a... My brother had a um, Suzuki Samurai. And he would rope me up to the back. And like when it would snow, he would pull me around <laughs> the neighborhood. And I would just like... That's awesome. Until somebody would call the police. And then, and then we had to stop. But I got ran into a, several cars doing that. <laughs> I learned how to not tell mom. (laughs) That's always good as well, yeah. Yeah, they taught me how to not tell mom. Cool, cool. And were you... um, My experience, at least with my friends who have older siblings, is that they're kind of more confident kids at school. They're kind of cooler kids in their grades because they they almost have that that security of the older... Because you've been around some older kids. Yeah. You know know how to chill, you know? (laughs) Were you, uh, you know, would you say you're a popular or cool kid? Popular kid in your year at school? Yeah, but I had the, the town I lived in, I had the benefit of, there wasn't, you didn't have to be a certain type of person to be cool. Right. Um, You could be really weird and be the cool kid. But there was, there was other grades that you couldn't get away with that. Um, right. There was some where you had to be cool to be cool, you know. <laughs> and uh I was lucky enough to be able to be kind of a dork but be cool. So what were you kind of your your dorkier passions? Um that, that I don't time? know that necessarily even my passions were that dorky. I was just kind of a dork. You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. How just so? stuff I can't like really uh help, you know. I'm just kind of uh I'm a little cheesy, you know? <laughs> I'm a cheesy guy, and I like cheese. This I love place, queso. You guys get good queso over here? Queso? Yeah, you dip it in, you dip chips in it, tortilla oh, chips. Oh, okay, yeah, like a cheese sauce type, cheese dip type yeah. thing. Nice. I make a good queso. Do you? Maybe next time we'll, f- we'll figure it out, and we'll get you some... From these ingredients, maybe, like a campfire yeah. queso. We'll put it together... Uh, maybe I'll bring a few things over with me, you know? Some crudités. 
Canarotel, you know, some hot, spicy stuff to throw in there in that cheese sauce. Yes. Do you guys get Velveeta over here? Mm, no. We'll I have to no ship that over, too. What is that? It's the cheese. It's, it's like a real... Um, it's like a spicy cheese? No. I mean, you can get it spicy, but it's just it melts really easily. Oh, nice. Okay. It liquefies super easily. I think you'd like it. I have a big problem with American cheese. Whenever I go, whenever I've been in the U.S., I feel like your cheese scene's relatively weak compared to like. Oh yeah, it is. European it's an, cheese it's, scene. You gotta have an acquired taste for cheap things. <laughs> Depends on how cheap you can get. If right. you can get your taste down to a real bare bones, bottom of the barrel type of place. Yeah. Uh, you know, drink a lot of Coors over there. <laughs> So if you can get to that world, then we can get you in some queso and something I think you'd like. Sweet. Sweet. So let's bring this back around to, uh, is it Norman? Is that your hometown? Is that where you grew up? I grew up in Stillwater, which is a lot like Norman. It's right. a college town. It's smaller than Norman, but I moved, I moved to Norman. Yeah. Suburb still, is it? Or? No, Stillwater's out in the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, and then Norman is south of oklahoma city like 20 minutes right so some yeah kind of a suburb but it's norman's still its own thing too it's a little college town and that's where i went to school right and now i live in tulsa which is where my parents grew up and uh, that's a good place to be tulsa's fun so i one of the things i learned about norman when i was researching your band was that it's in tornado alley yeah which sounds more impressive than I imagine it feels. At no, the time. it's fun. <laughs> what happened? Come, you- come there. We'll get you some queso. Some and, tornadoes. And we'll get you in a couple tornadoes. I was going to ask you, have you experienced many tornadoes in your time? Yeah. What is it like? Because we don't get them really in the UK at all. I'm starting to change my stance on it a little bit. I've always loved tornadoes. Right. Historically, it's my favorite time of year. The weather's amazing. Yeah. It's a little creepy. You end up having to go down to a basement, which is always a fun hang. <laughs> and the older you get, you realize you can take things down in the basement with you uh, recreationally that make the whole, enhance the whole thing. Yeah. Now I'm getting to an age where I realize how, like, you know, people are dying out there and yeah. these tornadoes. And so I need to be a little bit more sensitive about, uh, how entertaining they can be for me. Yes. Uh, I've had things damaged in tornadoes, but nothing crazy. Uh, a couple of things kind of crazy, but I've had some friends that have lost like everything in it. Really? But I don't know anyone who's died in a tornado. And what's the the craziest thing you've experienced with them then have you in terms of like damage to your stuff or um, people you know or? well the church i grew up going to yeah got totally demolished wow so as a kid that was pretty wild yeah but it i don't know as a kid it never nothing ever seemed like too serious it just seemed like and as a kid my mom would just throw us in the bathtub and put a mattress over us and that was so much fun it was like a little fort yeah. Anytime there's a tornado, you had to go make a little fort in a bathtub 
because well, <laughs> I didn't have a basement growing up. And do you think it's getting worse, tornadoes? Because I hear, you know, global warming, etc. It's meant to be making weather more volatile. Is that an experience you've, you've had there? Yeah, they've definitely... So the town right next to Norman yeah. has had, like, uh, like, devastating tornadoes, like, leveled parts of the city, like a wow. mile-wide tornado. Whoa. And I was in Norman for the last two of those, and it's weird because you look... Like, you can get on the roof and look north... To more and know that something insane is happening and yeah. people are uh you know dying yeah and it's just right there but it's not going to come to us so you just watch it so you just pass. can like watch this whole storm going through and uh that's pretty crazy you know? it's like the ult- it seems to me like the ultimate storm watching because you know my my wife in particular she really loves it when there's thunderstorms me too i love i kind of get a bit sketched out by them but i do enjoy it but i kind of enjoy that feeling of being a bit on edge by it um but she really loves watching storms i do too thunderstorms is like the the guilt-free tornado yeah you know unless someone's getting struck by lightning yeah then you've got another yeah, guilt. yeah. i don't want to ruin thunderstorms for you though no as long as you that that's what's fun about them is there is some danger yeah but for the most part if you just kind of stay indoors you're okay um and then i wanted to ask you uh about again about oklahoma um I remember last time we spoke, you told me about Joe Bob. Was it Joe Bob who lives in Oklahoma City and fixes guitars? Joe Bob Nelson, yeah. Um, and he sounded like an interesting character. And yeah. I wondered if you could kind of give me a picture of Oklahoma City in like three interesting characters that you know from the city. Well, So you I could don't... start with Joe Bob if you want for the purposes of the podcast or... If you don't know any interesting characters, we can well, just stick. Well, <laughs> Oklahoma City, I'd never lived there. Mm. I've spent most of my time in Tulsa and Norman. Okay, well, maybe But Tulsa Joe Bob, I knew just because there wasn't really anybody in Norman, so I'd, I would drive to Oklahoma City. Right. But Tulsa, I know a lot of interesting characters. But do you need it to be Oklahoma City? No, no. It's more of a... I just want to get a feel for the area and the characters that you um, enjoy. I got... <laughs> A friend named Magic Mark, who's, uh, he kind of can do everything. Like, he, he has multiple skills. He can, um, he can, uh, do construction stuff. He can do magic. Right. He can drink and do drugs. <laughs> He knows how to. He knows. He knows how to put on a good show or a good party, and they're all the same thing if you think about it. Yeah. And uh, Magic Mark's a good friend. What are the keys to Magic Mark's uh, parties? His party skill set. A little bit of conspiracy. <laughs> right. Some flash paper. And a stack of cards. Stack of cards. And a lot of women. Okay, so we've got Magic Mark. We've got Joe Bob who fixes guitars in Oklahoma, over in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Who else have you... Who are any other people leaked to mind as essential 
local scene characters or just friends? Well, so there's this place here called Kane's, and um, it's a ballroom where it's like 1,200, 1,300 capacity. Right. A lot of bands go through there. It's like this historic old place. And uh, Magic Mark used to work there for the owner, this guy named Larry Schaefer. And uh, Larry Schaefer is a total character. I mean, they got into trouble all the time back in the day. Right. And there's a lot of people going through there because um, uh, Leon Russell lived there. Okay. And um, he was friends with kind of everybody. So, like, the beach, like, like Brian Wilson had recorded at his place at church. He has a studio called Church. Uh, and then uh, Eric Clapton, all these old uh, wow. legends would come through and hang out with Leon and maybe record, but probably definitely party. Mm-hmm. And they would all kind of hang out in this little scene with uh, Larry Schaefer and magic mark was a part of this world and they tell a lot of great stories but you go into larry is older now and but he still has this like uh this office and he still conducts business and he still books for like all the old like he he would book anytime merle haggard would come through he would book he would be his booker for the region or for that area Right. And same with, like, he does Willie Nelson. But there's all these old guys, and a lot of them have started dying, but he's still booking the ones that he has always done yeah. there. And he's just on the phone all the time, and he's got this big desk, and he's, like, holding court. And you go in, and he... Go in and hang out with them. You sit down in front of his thing, and he's, like... He's very cordial. He's got a great voice. Yeah. He knows how to talk. And then he'll get a call, and while you're in the middle of saying something and he'll just have to hop on it real quick, take care of business, hop off seamlessly. Nice. Go through the whole thing. And he's got an amazing collection of guitars. He's got like the first era of like Tally. Um, he's got, um, which is a fifties. I think it was in the first Telecaster is Esquire. 50. Or yeah. He has like, and it's worth like 30 grand or something. Nice. And he'll, he'll let you play it. And then the case is worth like three grand. And it's just sitting on the floor and you are stepping over it, maybe stepping on it. That case is worth about six times. It's my most expensive guitar, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't spend a lot on guitars, though. But yeah, sick. There's another guy there named Larry also who moved there because we worked together. He found me and started like uh, working with us. But he had worked with a ton of people. He, when he was telling me um, about all he had done, he kind of went through this whole thing and all sounded like bullshit because it was like too amazing. Yeah. And he was, I was kind of writing down stories like, well, I'll kind of maybe see if I can check some of this stuff he's saying. (laughs) And he told me this crazy elaborate story about going to watch Pink Floyd The Wall at the LA uh, Forum with Pete Townsend, because he worked with Pete Townsend. He has all these Pete Townsend stories. Right. So I typed in Larry White, Pete Townsend, and there's an interview with Pete Townsend where he's telling the story from his 
perspective and talking about Larry, right. Larry White. And then I was like, oh, he, Larry's telling the truth. Hooked up. And he's a great character. He's got a million stories. He worked for Warner Brothers for a long time, so he was uh, on the road with like R.E.M. Um, and uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Awesome. Um, he's got great stories, but they're all there's all these old guys who have been through a lot of stuff that are pretty fun to hang out with. That's that's pretty cool. Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, it. kind of they sound like the kind of guys the music industry can't afford to make anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Um. Uh, well, what was the first time you realized you might be able to be in a band and therefore and avoid real life as a consequence? I don't know. I never really gave myself a plan B. Right. So from from the get-go, it was always trying to get away with avoiding uh, other people's reality. (laughs) (laughs) Creating my own reality. Yeah. And, um, yeah, how did you hit upon that? Why did that happen? Why do you think you were looking for that in your life? Well, I always liked entertaining. Uh, I was the youngest, so mm. I was kind of thrust into the like stage of our family. Yeah. You know, I had no choice. I, I, I was entertainment as a kid, and um, so it came really natural. I feel like any kid, it always ends up being like whoever's last. Like I'll, yeah. I'll see like uh, either my brothers will have kids or whoever, and the first one's hilarious. And then once the next one comes up, then the older one kind of like sits back and watches the younger <laughs> one. And so it just so happened. I think if I had, had a younger brother or sister, which I always wanted, I wanted to be the older brother. Because when you're the youngest, it seems so cool to be like the yeah. older one. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't know. From the early age, I, I, liked entertaining and so I would be in kind of any type of production I could be in whether it be like school play or um I grew up going to church so there was always like musicals and all that stuff and that was always pretty fun uh and then somewhere it transitioned to songwriting like when I was like 13 um I started a band or joined my brother my brother's band right yeah and which I may have to- I may have told you some of that, but he said if I bought a bass, I could be in his band. So I saved up some money. Yeah. Bought a Ibanez red Ibanez bass. Sweet. And a PV one fifteen, and uh, and did you want to be in your brother's band? Like, because obviously some kids oh, yeah. would I definitely want to be in their older brother's band. I wanted to be in their be- band because I remember going to their. They played a show. My oldest brother was in it, and then he went to college. But they were just kind of goofing around. But I got to go to a couple of those shows. Yeah. My one of, one of my uncles was in a band, and my mom would sneak us into bars to watch him. Yeah. And I, I just, I think slowly all those things started adding up. It made sense enough <laughs> for me to like do it myself. To do. No one uh, seems to make much money from music in indie bands these days. I don't, <laughs> it seems. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I wonder, I know you guys had a lot of like sync success with class historian. So mm -hmm. when a band in your position does get that paycheck that comes through whatever size it might be, what do you do with it? What do you do with the scenarios when you do have some money? <laughs> we blow it. <laughs> yeah. On what? How did, where did that money go? Just everything. Just kind of like by, uh, um, for us, I feel like we spend a lot of money at bars and food or whatever. I thought the whole aim of being a touring band was to avoid uh, having to spend money in bars and on food. I thought oh, no, no, no. on the road, yeah, that's why we try to stay on the road. Yeah. <laughs> but when we go back home and you have any type of money, uh, it can get blown. Yeah. Pretty quick. Would you like to spend, uh, if you... We're sort of in a like no ob money, no object situation. What would be what would be your big purchases? Um, What's your dream things? My dream things. If we get materialistic. Physically. Uh, I would. We have a uh, a warehouse, and I would probably just keep buying things to put in the warehouse. You've got your your jacuzzi warehouse, isn't it? That's yeah. Used to be a jacuzzi manufacturing. Yeah, they made place. jacuzzis and, and that countertops. Was your kind of world. Yeah, maybe I'd get, I'd probably get, get the whole uh, business back up and running. You know. <laughs> just, just really want to see the jacuzzi business I'll back. Start getting those jacuzzis out again. <laughs> I feel like there's a void out there yeah. in the industry. And we have a unique situation that if we just had a little capital, we could get it back on its feet. Jacuzzi recording studio. Mm-hmm. Could happen. Safety implications, but, you know. You I would the love money to do to a whole record from a jacuzzi or a bathtub, even. J bathtub concept album. Yeah, just lay in there and splash around. You could call it the uh, the tornado shelter sessions. Yeah. But bathtub mattress. Yeah, bathtub mattress. Acoustics. Yeah. Session. <laughs> um What keeps you in what keeps you in a band? You've been in a band for a long time now. Cheap, whether it's this one cheap or cheap beer, previous. bread, cheese, and olives. Yeah. Tonight that's that keeps me coming back every night. Is that your rider or is that just I think we just get lucky. With the olives. The olives are bad. I don't know. Do you request olives? Mm. Posh olives. It's the key. Well, we think, Gavin. This is why I come back every night. Yeah. Um, so, I, I like how, um, with your songs, I'm kind of um, digging your lyrics out. Uh-huh. On your recordings, do you bury them on purpose? Uh, not necessarily like because we we do spend time on on trying to come up with uh, a story. Yeah, I think I just like it. Uh, I think I like the um, aesthetic of of vocals, not necessarily being. Of more being a, an instrument than than anything. 
because yeah, I remember speaking to you last time. We were talking about the ambiguity, you know, having a happy sentiment in a sad sounding song, and yeah. vice versa. It kind of feels like you you're trying to draw out a sentiment rather than a specific label. I, when we did this last record, there was a lot more. I feel like, but I've been told my whole life that I I can't understand you. <laughs> so it wasn't that weird but i thought it, we could hear i thought this last record was a little too clear oh really yeah i wanted it even further i think i'm having more trouble than ever on this last record that's cool that makes me yeah. feel good <laughs> still really like it so i don't know it's, it's working um you've previously and we'll just we'll finish here i think because uh we should um you previously described yourself as a sort of a long slow burner of a band uh-huh. Um, what do you would you want Broncho's like legacy to be at the end of that long slow burn slowest burn of all time slowest burn yeah we we like we like the real slow burn if it could burn all night that's the type of burn we're looking for you we're looking for something slow cooked aged <laughs> Spiced to perfection, and then aged again, and then dehydrated, rehydrated, slow cooked over a fire. Much like your cheese sauce. Refried, fried and refried. You guys get refried beans over here? Yeah, yeah. What do you think of them? Um, I... Do you know what? I'm on the fence because we get a lot of really bad incarnations of Mexican food, yeah. Tex, Tex-Mex, that sort of stuff. We get it imported badly. Isn't it? There's got to be just that one. There's got to be a family from Mexico that moved over here and was like, let's do it. Let's do the beans. And they, they did it. Is there that anywhere? Is there like that little Mexican restaurant that just nailed it? No. Good, good. Okay. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Let's put the call out well, now. I know what we can do. If they're listening. <laughs> that is maybe I just so happen uh, just so happens I know how to make a pretty good queso. Yeah. I could do guacamole too. I think I did quite good chili. Yeah. With chocolate on. Yeah. Do you put chocolate in chili? I've had it, but I I don't ever put chocolate in my chili. Really, really, really dark chocolate and you put it in and you slow cook it for with you know like proper kind of brazen steak it breaks down huh. that sounds good yeah might could do that now not right. uh i've put um other things in my chili <laughs> but we don't necessarily have to talk about that on this interview no i mean i feel like that's a, that's a spin-off show really is the cooking with hey what's in my chili down. hey yeah that's probably a better podcast in the long run, actually. That's, you need a tie Hey, what's angle. in my chili? Hey, what's in my chili? Get that out of here. Hey, shoo. <laughs> what's in my chili? Okay, well, you've given me a lot of ideas for future content slash recipes. That's and good. I want to thank you for that. Are you thank hungry? you for your time. I am getting peckish now. I've been watching you eat your, your posh olives and... Mine is Talking yours. About refried beans. Feel free to come on over here and <laughs> stick something in that hummus. Or my chili. Or your chili. 
Hey, get that out of my hummus. That will be the follow-up. Which really. in, yeah. Do like a get that out of my hummus. Shows, I think is where we're going with that ultimately. But it's important anyway. So, cheers. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I've genuinely enjoyed your recipe suggestions and your fascinating insights into Oklahoma and the American cheese scene. It's good to talk to you again. I love cheese. <laughs> the good and the bad. The good and the bad, yeah. All right. And I love uh, a good conversation. Hey, what's in my chili? Right, that was the individual known as Ryan Lindsay from the band Broncho. You can check out their album Double Vanity. It's out now on Dine Alone Music. Really, really recommend it. Um, I also recommend you go and get hypnotized by some of their live chug. Uh, it's quite the experience. Um, at this point, I'd just like to remind you that if you like what you heard and you want to keep up to date with the podcast, you can head to extendedplaypodcast.com for links to Facebook and Twitter, etc. Anything you can do to like, follow, share, rate the podcast, particularly following us on iTunes and rating and reviewing the podcast. It really makes a difference, really appreciated. So thanks in advance for that. Finally, thanks as always to Alpha Male Tea Party for letting me use their track You Are My The Rock as the show's theme. I'll be back in a few weeks with a new podcast and even more sleep deprivation thanks to my newborn. So look after yourselves until then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.